0: happy new year citizens of the universe we are the citizens podcast based in berlin but global in perspective a spontaneous community podcast that deconstructs broad topics in order to reach imaginative insights i'm your host steve nahai author and american rambler and before we get into it today a short but important preface to clarify a couple of things Number one, we began the first episode of the year with a snag. For some reason, our venue's recording equipment wasn't functioning, and we had to resort to using one of my small handheld microphones as a last-minute mixer. As a result, our group's voices wound up blown out or distorted whenever we spoke loudly. I've done my very best to correct this, but it unfortunately means I've had to remove bits of comedy and laughter to preserve quality. Secondly, our podcast is currently in the throes of a revamp. The show co-creator Naniso has suggested changes that I agree with, which include adding up to eight anonymous participants for each episode in an effort to further push our experimental nature. We've also brainstormed new podcast names and a slightly new concept that would focus more closely on thought-provoking angles for our topics. Of course, I'll keep you updated as we go along, but for now, let's proceed with the latest.
1: I've actually had some time to prepare uh, my introduction and uh, my name is Neniso. I'm a rambling, raving uh, podcaster, uh, talker, uh, multiple multiple artistic uh, kind of guy. That's uh, that's what I'm gonna say.
2: Yes. Oh I didn't spend any time thinking. Sorry, let me
1: let me just comb my hair back.
2: (laughs) Oh flip it, oh flip it, okay. Oh it's waving in the wind. Um my name is Kibbs. I, I have nothing I didn't even prepare. I'm just kids Let's My call it a wrap Kim. That's the end of the podcast Kim Thank Kim you very much do, yes. Goodbye <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas
3: And I'm Serafina uh, I come from a logic background But I will try and be As unprepared And un- unstructured as possible To go along with the ramblings And wanderings Of you lovely three Yay
0: oh. yeah, hey. <laughs> welcome, welcome Yes welcome Serafina She is our newcomer And great to have you here At the start of a new year yeah, Thank newbie, you for me. newbie. So in an increasingly puzzling world where society is, well, increasingly fragmented, divided by politics, socioeconomic factors, endless culture and interest groups, not to mention technology itself, the notion of reconciliation, today's theme, can seem hazy. So reconciliation might be considered as the adhesive glue between individuals and as well as communities uh, that takes place upon real, imagined, or temporal planes. To reconcile is to restore friendly relations between or coexist in harmony with, uh, to settle things. In our have it your way ethos, however, it's often said that reconciliation or perhaps compromise entails two parties being equally dissatisfied with the final outcome. As I've said, we're living in fragmented times where true understanding can feel like mining for gold. Or am I just digging? Oh, I see what you did there. I see
1: what you did there, Steve. (laughs) Here we go. What's the
0: status of reconciliation in 2020? Is our ability to build bridges alive and well? Or is it floundering? Or... Is it mostly bittersweet, glass always half full? Oof.
1: It's a good one. It's good. It's good. good introduction. It's beautiful. Was- I'm not... Uh, I, I think we should call it a wrap right yeah, there. Right. <laughs> Goodbye, you
2: guys. <laughs> we, I think you two are settling on a definition.
3: As the Webster Mini Dictionary says, <laughs> that reconciliation is the overcoming of a conflict, mm. to resolve a conflict, to resolve a difference. Um, so with... I mean, when we take the definition of something that doesn't imply the syntax, the semantics that we use when we're discussing it, it doesn't mean that we immediately go, oh, well, that means this in my life. Practically, we have plenty of assumptions that go along that change that meaning from the definition. But to start on a very basis that we can all platform from, that we can spring from, that's the definition that I think we should go for. So, reconciliation, being the overcoming of differences,
2: yeah.
3: I think, can hold plenty of things, such as, like you was like um, we were discussing before when Steve said that um, reconciliation can be mutual displeasure yep. after facing a conflict. I personally don't think that's necessarily the case. That mm. can be. Uh, sufficiently true but not necessarily true in the definition of what a reconciliation is
1: Fair enough. do you feel like two there's like a reconciliation is the meeting of two positions and finding a middle point of agreement
3: well I would say that a reconciliation is not that that's the meeting well finding a middle point so for example you can have a reconciliation that is not at the middle if you have two people, say for example one person is a boss and one person is an employee and the employee is incredibly unhappy and the boss is only a tiny bit lenient, you can have a reconciliation that's not a wildly good one, um, that's not in the middle, it's closer to the boss than it is to the employee, but that is still a reconciliation of some sort Hmm.
1: But in that situation, do you think that both parties the boss and the employee feel that they have lost something, so they have travelled from their maximal point towards the middle point? Uh, and since they they both lost something uh, because they're not at their maximal points.
3: I wouldn't agree with that at all. I think uh, oh, there's a, a question, just a question. I think in most cases, a, a reconciliation can be something that develops both parties or mm. however many parties there are. So you can have a reconciliation that actually just benefits the whole. Um, in plenty of cases, when it's unequal or... Just uh, badly managed reconciliation. There is one party who's left behind, or both parties feel that they've lost something. But I don't think that's the case. I think in plenty of reconciliations, if you're looking at reconciliation as basically problem solving, coming overcoming a difference, overcoming a conflict, I think in plenty of cases you can actually have a situation where everyone feels that they benefited from it, which mm. is I think. Not necessarily. I think a lot of people think that's the only reason we should try and reconcile is for that one specific moment where everyone feels a benefit. But I actually think that today's society is very based on the individual, based on what we can do in ourselves, and it's quite competitive. And actually, we need to be looking at reconciliation as something that's beneficial to pursue regardless of whether you get to a place where everyone feels that they benefited. If you can give a little bit more, so even if you feel like you've lost a tiny bit to benefit someone else, you might be the boss that's losing a tiny bit to benefit the employee. And so I actually think the reconciliation has to be something that's pursued regardless of whether you feel that everyone is going to be benefiting equally.
1: Mm. So if we can, like, in real terms, think about this, because I think there are two kind of examples. Let's say... You know, uh, my uh, my partner and myself, we want to go for dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want Indian. Uh, she wants uh, British food, mm-hmm. but which is never a good thing. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> and and we both want two different types of food. Mm-hmm. And then we decide, hey, you know what? I, this is what I really want. But why don't we just, you know, have Argentinian as Argentinian steak. Right, Because you kind of want it. I'm like, I'm okay with that. She's okay with that. And Mm. so we decided to have an Algerian steak. Neither of us got what we really wanted.
3: Mm. But
1: we got something we kind of wanted.
3: Right. And that's called a compromise. But you can still have a reconciliation that doesn't have to be with a compromise. So, for example, if you find a restaurant that serves both types of foods... Mm and that's a new discovery, that is a reconciliation, Mm. but there's no compromise there because you can both have the things that you want. Mm. So I think there's in plenty of cases ways that you can reconcile without there having to be a compromise, which is also something that people often associate with reconciliation is that it will always imply compromise, Mm. but that's only a sufficient way of reaching a reconciliation, not the necessary way.
1: Oh, no, for sure, they're different types. Like, I mean, when people say, you know, we reconciled our differences, it means, that for me, that we came to term, we discussed it, you know, we, we put our beef to the side, we really understand each other Betting, I think that's, reconciling differences means that you've, you have managed to communicate in a productive manner and are now able to advance together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I understand it.
3: Um, well, even there, I would actually say that there's a counterpoint for that. I see plenty of cases um, where in relationships, this, this is coming from one of my, uh, an example from my friend who um, being, I'm personally part of the polyamorous community and she decided to join it. And uh, she has come to a reconciliation with her partner about, How they want to proceed in polyamory, which has had no discussion because they Without speaking to each other independently decided they were okay with each other being polyamorous and having other partners But it just sort of happened. They discovered it on Independently of each other never discussed it and then just sort of mutually Decided that that was okay, but they never actually discussed now. Would I say that that's a good reconciliation? Is that is that a healthy reconciliation? Is that a pleasantly reached reconciliation? Not necessarily, but it is a reconciliation of types. So I think we have to bear in mind that even if something isn't a massively healthy reconciliation, it can still be a reconciliation of sorts. And that some reconciliations will have a time limit on them and how long they last. <laughs> but they are a reconciliation nonetheless, because they have faced the conflict and come overcome the differences in possibly an impermanent way.
0: So we're we're drawing a clear line between reconciliation and compromise here. Mm. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I I was kind of pairing them in my own mind before we started. Uh, I drew drew (laughs) a close uh, correlation between the two, at least I saw parallels. Mm. But now, uh, yeah, that's... uh,
1: I I cannot uh, reconcile. The kids hasn't said anything yet. I
2: have actually have been taking this in because I think these perspectives are so... I think they're so interesting. When I first heard the question actually, um, I was, the first thing that came to my mind was this idea of um, on, online you see all this like, this person owned this person or slammed yeah. this person and proved this person wrong. And then there's, then on the other extreme of it is this cancel culture, right? Mm-hmm. Which I feel like um, causes very strong barriers to the poten- for the potential of reconciling what these differences are. Yeah. And um, when I was uh, working as a counselor, um, I was introduced to this um, form of mediation called transformative mediation, where the um, aim of mediation is actually not to solve the conflict. To go back to your idea of like um, overcoming a conflict, mm-hmm. um, but I felt like it was, it for me, it was the most uh, inspiring. Uh, method I've ever encountered. So what and what happens with transformative mediation? I'm not great at this, by the way. I don't want to say like I, I I couldn't really give you the uh, details of it. I've I've really just kind of like learned how to practice it through my mentor. Is that it's about recognition and empowerment um, for both parties. I'm going to recognize that you're hurting, um, and that's going to empower you. Um, and you're also going to recognize that I'm hurting as well, and that's going to that's going to empower me. Now. Eventually, we could potentially solve the conflict, but that's actually not the aim. The aim is just to humanize one another and to see that there's actually something going on here mm-hmm. that goes far beyond you know either make uh, making a compromise or resolving whether conflict that is It's, it's really understanding and seeing one another's inner conflict
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and I think about that in, in, in what's happening in, in um, in society today and this idea of cancel culture and um, people feeling like they're getting owned or owning other people or slamming ideas. I feel like that's what causes the biggest biggest and worst forms of conflict from my perspective is that you're really not able to see that this other person is actually really going through something. And the one form of reconciling a situation is that I'm just not gonna talk to you. I'm gonna cancel you. I'm gonna block you. I'm gonna unfollow you. Mm. That's one form of reconciling a situation because the conflict is, is done. But right. you're not really actually dealing with what's happening within. Like, I might have said something extremely disrespe- disrespectful to you. I didn't notice it. I might have passed by you. Or maybe you were having a bad day and you you, you set me off in some way. And I re- didn't respond to it well. So mm. I, I think um, when I think about reconciliation and when I think about this idea of conflicts, I always view it as, sure, there's an there's an outer conflict that we are all trying to, mitigate and understand it in order to live harmoniously with one another but i me personally i think it's the inner conflict that i try to work on every single morning that i found that has made it much easier for me to give in especially when i know i'm in the wrong and also to um make allowances for people as well because i know some people are just having really bad days sometimes and i can be like you know i can i can accept your apology without you saying it and that's a form of reconciliation where i don't even need to bring up the topic or address it Is, nor am i avoiding it simply like you were just having a bad day that day and that's why you said "fuck you go to hell and i'm like well, yeah. it's all right and then we don't even need to talk about it it's like it's all water in the bridge at least on my end and if the per- other person decides to bring it up we can of course chop it up and, and let it go sure. so i was just thinking about that but i don't have any questions i just you guys just made me think and i just really enjoyed hearing what you had to say about it actually
1: I think that's fascinating, I love that idea about you know, just uh, what is it, ghosting somebody because you don't, oh, yeah. like in a sense you don't have time to reconcile yeah. with everybody every day and all the people that you cross online or offline and I, I just sometimes, I don't have time, I'll just either block them, and it's actually refreshing that I don't have to reconcile <laughs> with everybody I'm like, this saves a lot of time Yeah, um,
3: That is a form of reconciliation right. it is to phase a conflict and then to act upon that conflict But it's just one of those that I think with what Kibbs was saying about um, the transformative type of therapy or simply a way of discussing that recognizes the conflicts that each other's going through. When you're in two parties or more and you're discussing a conflict and you have the context behind it, so recognizing people's discomforts or their aims, agendas, things like that, then I think the transformative form of therapy or just that way of discussing that way of taking in a personal context into the statements or premises that someone's bringing to the table is actually the platform for making a healthy reconciliation so I would define the differences between just going oh, I block because I don't have time as like that's yeah that is one way of reconciling but actually if you use those ways of taking in context and you use those to drive your decisions as well as just your premises each then when you come to that conclusion, that through that syllogism, then you actually see, okay, well, we actually have a stronger platform here. We've, there's better reasoning behind this, which usually, if you have a better understanding of why you've come to that conclusion, that makes for a healthier reconciliation. So I think it's a really important point that you bring it up.
2: Mm. Um, as, as somebody who's been ghosted, <laughs> what I've learned um, and what's made it easier for me to kind of go through that experience is number one that I, I don't do that to people. Like I'm very, very clear with telling people like, actually I can't invest anymore in this relationship because um, I don't feel like it's good for my spiritual mental um, well-being. And then I, I pull away. So I don't ghost. I'm very clear with telling people. There's no sudden surprise that I'm gone. It's kind of like, no, I'm, I'm just done here. I've noticed that some, sometimes people are just going through things actually very very often people are going through things that are way beyond me um, my mentor always tells me that, that like, no one's actually really thinking about me not in a bad way that nobody cares but like People just have so much going on that it's kind of like, you know, I have to deal with this, this, this parents, my my work, my kid, my this, my that, my cousins, my friends, yeah. drama here, drama there. It's kind of like, and then people, and it's what's happened in the past is that people would just stop writing to me. And at, um very often they'd reach out later on and sometimes we'd mitigate the situation. Other times they don't reach out and it's fine. It's completely fine. Um, but I, I, one thing I've really have come to understand is that it's not about m- m- me, um, and I, another thing I've, I've learned as well is that understanding how people deal with conflicts allows me to be much more forgiving and, and peaceful and to tread this path very gently. Um, because I'm somebody, when I'm going through something, especially like, well, there's two things that really set me off and I need to pull away from. I really don't like getting screamed at or swore at due to past situations. And I really don't like when people clench your fist. It just brings up a lot. And it doesn't put me in the right state of mind. So I have to pull away or else if I respond, I'm not going to respond for my mm-hmm. <laughs> down-centered, peaceful self. Sure. And I've also learned that some people need that. And so as long as that person isn't overdoing it, I don't mind holding space for it to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I, there's a lot of things I've had to learn about for people in my circle that I'm just going to have to make allowances for. Like, my sister her and i were really close but when she gets mad at something she'll just she won't swear at me but she'll swear at the situation and I, before that used to put me so off mm. and now i can hold space and be like actually that's what she needs to vent mm. um and what i need to vent um and what i how i need to deal with things is very off-putting for many people because i will just go dead silent for 5 hours Bird. and I, for me it's very comfortable because that's how i process things for other people it's just very overwhelming to sit in that silence, but once we can, I think once we become much more understanding of how other people reconcile situations, how they yeah. deal with situations, makes it much easier to deal with things and
0: to not. For me, it's made it possible for me to not ghost anyone anymore. I so yeah, that's great. And while we're we are in the relationship realm, uh, there's a popular saying that reconciliation means never having to say you're sorry. Uh, but for many, that's the last option they'd consider. You know, pff, as mm-hmm. if maybe. Mm-hmm. We all have friends or family members who've stopped talking for seemingly petty reasons. Uh, we've all watched politicians Im- impose harsh sanctions, tariffs, or start wars over differences, often also petty, sometimes not. What, what makes reconciliation such a difficult action? Let's kind of dig in on, um, on that level.
3: I'll just jump in with this one. Um, So I personally believe that there's nothing that you can say to someone truly lovingly that will hurt them enough to break a relationship. If you truly, truly affectionately care about someone or even if you don't and you just say it with the most truth and love, there's nothing that would really, really hurt someone if you care about them that much. (laughs) And I think that's a really important point to say, especially in modern society that's so sort of image obsessed and things mm. like that. Mm. And uh, I will just say the context for my discovering that was that I actually was very close to a man who was very involved in um, being egoless and letting go of the ideas mm. of selfhood and even went as far as sort of like evaporating the terms of I and you and just. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and um, And then I saw, actually, that it's a really useful tool to experience that. It then becomes very impractical when you're trying to, you know, discuss things on any kind of basis with anyone who isn't going through that. But it's a really useful tool to just say, actually, there's nothing that you can say that you owe me an apology for. If that's how you feel, I have no bearing about how you feel. And you, I don't have to take what you say... Personally, I can just go, there's a context to that. And you're welcome to your own context. Mm. And you know, that was six years ago, five years ago. And uh, I'm now in a place where truly I can say that in any intimate relationship I have, no matter what the person says, the thing that they say will never hurt me. Mm. It's the context behind it that Mm. is where the intention is. So if they intend to hurt me, then yeah, it would really hurt. But if I, And I have had this situation of being with partners who are like, damn, you just don't look good. And it doesn't affect me mm. um, because they're not saying it to upset me. And I'm like, actually, you know, maybe, maybe like, I should just have a shower. Mm. Um, so I think that it's really important for people to understand that you don't have to be hurt when you hear something that you associate with being hurtful mm. um, if you're going to reconcile with someone.
1: What about people who say things that they don't mean? People that we love or that we love people and sometimes you you say something that you don't mean or they say something that they don't mean to you that that can be hurtful.
3: Well, for me it's not hurtful. I am um, my fiance is one of those people who will blurt out words before if he's if he's angry, he just suddenly reacts mm-hmm. and he'll say things that he would never say in any other circumstances. And for me, because I know him, because I know that context, um, it, I don't take it to heart. So mm. it's it's easy for me. But I'm very, very, very um, outspoken about the fact that if he were to be in a situation with someone else who didn't understand that context about him, the burden is on him to explain to other people, mm. this is how I react in this situation. That's That's his responsibility to mm. explain that.
1: Mm. I guess... The older I get, the less latitude and longitude I have for people who, who, who engage in that. I'm more like, really? Okay, I'm out. You know, I, I have less time. I have less availability. I have less energy and vigor to engage in those kind of relationships. I'm more like, okay, all right. It's not for me. I, mm-hmm. I kind of tend to exit the thing because I think that reconciliation, you know, comes at a at a at a price. Uh, engaging or make the the work of reconciliation is tiring, and there has to be some value in it for me. Mm-hmm. And if if it's not, then I'm like, Ugh. you know, no, I'm not I'm not interested. I feel like the older I get, the the less interested I am in reconciliation. It's
0: mm-hmm. interesting the the price or the value of reconciliation, the 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 energy required. It's uh, it's 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 interesting to consider it from that angle. I think that's why I've experienced within my own family structure, especially mm-hmm. that there are some differences that just haven't been reconciled. Mm-hmm. It's um, I think that the energy put towards reconciliation also has to be. You have to feel that that's being reciprocated. Mm-hmm. You know, on the other end, that that your efforts are. You know, no, getting- I
3: wouldn't agree with that. I. My personal experience, so my mom is uh, severely schizophrenic and she, she uh, as progressively, she finds it more and more difficult to communicate. And yeah. when I was a kid, I was always very, very angry because I felt that, you know, why me? Why was I given the mom who behaves like this? And she just couldn't communicate the way that I expected a mother to. And uh, when I was in my twenties when I was 21, I think, Um, I actually hadn't spoken to her for years. I just cut her out because I was like, I don't need to spend energy on that. I don't need her in my life. And then I realized, actually, it was me holding on to that anger. It was me going, I expected you to be something. I brought the expectation. She was just being her. And so it was, for me, I didn't need her to put any energy into the reconciliation. Mm. I just had to be there for her and to reconcile with myself and say, Okay, well, I put this expectation on you and I got angry at you because you didn't fulfill it. But was it your responsibility to fulfill it if that's my expectation? Mm. And you, like, I found it difficult because I was constantly communicating what my expectation was. Mm. So in any other situation with anyone else, I would have been like, you don't respect me enough to fulfill what I'm asking of you. Right. But that was an anomaly, and I didn't understand that when I was younger, was that she couldn't understand, she couldn't take in that, she didn't have the capacity to hear what I was saying and expecting from her Mm -hmm. or fulfill it. So then it was my responsibility, even though I got no reciprocation from her, Mm energy-wise, and still don't, even though, yes, it is frustrating sometimes, Mm -hmm. I didn't have to and i feel much i do feel completely reconciled with her even though i'm in a situation now where there has been no progression whatsoever she still is impossible to communicate with um and wildly frustrating to try but it's still a reconciliation that satisfies me
1: is if i may uh, sorry this is that a reconciliation or is that more you saying i can't change her let me abandon my expectations and just deal with it myself.
3: If you take a look at the original definition of reconciliation, to face a conflict and to overcome the differences, to me that was an overcoming of differences, but it was me who had to take the journey further towards her. So not going in the Mm. middle and not forcing her to be able Mm. to communicate like me, but me taking the steps towards her and saying, okay, you can't fulfill my expectations. And it's not your job to be exactly what I want you to be i just have to understand that that's who you are and that actually for me was the beginning of polyamory that's when i first learned the concept of being able to love people out regardless of your expectations of them so that's how i took that journey but that was just a very
1: no i mean i can relate to that i mean i i think maybe i'm not the only one who has a family member that you who obviously they've grown older Uh, you know and you can tell that there's no way that they can change or move or progress or evolve in any possible way Mm -hmm. and I've as I've grown old I've been like okay I can I can make that movement and not expect them to. So I can totally relate to that, and especially as they, you know, obviously they're going to pass away at some point. I want to manage that relationship to satisfaction <laughs> and not have to deal with the aftermath afterwards. Like, oh, damn it, I should have said that. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that's, that's really challenging. And I think it is a form of reconciliation. Uh, uh, but you, for me, it's just like I'm doing all the work, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's accepting that I'm going to do all the work. They're not going to do anything because they just can't. Yeah. Uh, and i think that's that's so hard sometimes uh, in those interpersonal relationships mm-hmm. especially with you know parents and, and older uh, family members
3: it's yeah it's difficult to sometimes let go of those expectations because of what we tack to them so for example in my case i was thinking well i deserve a proper mum and then had to then learn actually like what does that deserving mean what does proper mum mean like Look at all these different things. And for me, one of the hardest conflicts to face now is moral conflicts. So when someone says, I don't accept that you're LGBTQ or I don't accept that you're this color or I don't accept that you're from this country or whatever the thing may be. And then I have to be like, "Um, okay, well, that's your belief system. That for me is very difficult.
1: Do you argue? Do you engage with people?
3: Oh my goodness me. Yeah, Yeah, I'm very difficult to be around. I'm actually flying to Dubai next month to talk about LGBTQ, somebody? yeah to <laughs> talk about LGBTQ rights in a place where really that can't be discussed yeah. um, so I may just leave the plane and go straight to jail um, uh, but that is the type of person that I
1: am Kids, you should go chaperone <laughs> yeah, exactly. your
2: bodyguard I mean I'm here to protect you um, no I, I think that's really interesting it's weird because like I, I feel like I once once I started taking this this path and, and, and started really delving into Taoism. Um, that's changed my perspective so much. It um, has brought me so much peace. Um, well, these days my life revolves around two questions. Number one, does it make me happy? And number two, does it make me money? If it doesn't fulfill these two requirements, I just don't do anything. I don't make any investments. So even though I will um, invest like three or four hours, sometimes a day or two days into a. A friendship through transformative mediation to discuss something, I wouldn't do it with somebody outside of my circle, because it doesn't make me happy, it doesn't make me money. I get no returns from that investment, so I mm. just don't do it. Mm. Um, and one thing that's helped me a lot, um, and that might be, like, when I say it, I know it, it makes sense to me, but it's hard for other people to understand to a certain degree. It's kind of like, I've accepted the fact, I was actually just talking to you about that, Steve, that everybody's right. Like, just like yep. everybody... Exist and live in their own world and their own reality because number one, I don't benefit from changing your mind. If somehow I'm able to shift your perspective and open up your worldview and we can find some kind of understanding, that's great. If not, then that's completely fine because unless there's a physical altercation involved, it's kind of like what, uh, like I'm gonna say an extreme example right now, but like let's say somebody thinks I'm a dirty nigger, it's like, well, okay. You're right, because like, what am I going to do to prove to you that I'm not? You know what I mean? And it brings me a lot of peace to just be like, okay, like, this is the practice, right? Is this going to sound very extreme? But like, if I really sit down in that person's perspective, I'm like, if I were listening to or or seeing this and that on TV, I could see how you could think I'm a dirty nigger. Like, I could probably like, you're right. That's, that's completely fine that you think that I accept the fact that you think that Mm. I don't agree. But I accept the fact that you think that. Mm-hmm. And once I accept something, I find so much peace in it. Mm-hmm. Like once I accept my family's world, my conservative Haitian background, once I accept their worldview of like, by 29 I should have been married, had a house and have four kids by now, I can accept how that makes sense. I'm still gonna travel the world and do what I wanna do and enjoy life the way I wanna create it. Right. But once I accept it makes sense, and there's no more resistance or, or conflict or frustration, on my end at least, I'm at complete peace. Mm. And um, I find that the price of peace is absolutely nothing. I have to do absolutely nothing. Yeah. And there's this phrase I always say from uh, verse 37 of the Tao Te Ching, which is, the Tao does nothing but leaves nothing undone. Once I do nothing, I make no investments. I'm like, OK, I accept that. Everything falls into place, uh, at least for me. It you, does. Do
1: you feel like there's a danger in that, in the sense that we, we walk around as these individuals, and we're just like, yeah, I'm at peace with that. And where's the the engagement uh, with one another with individuals who disagree?
2: We we can disagree, mm. but when we when we disagree, if I'm gonna engage with you, I want us to engage at least with a platform of like. I'm open to have my perspective shifted. I'm open. I'm completely open to the idea of my being wrong. And there are times where I mean we've had discussions before. You've proven me wrong. I've come back to you, and I've been like, yeah, Nenissa, you're right about that. Oh, um, yeah, that's true. And I, but I find that you know I have a friend of mine. He has this really really nice quote where he says, once I accept the fact that I'm wrong, I become right about the very same thing. Like once I accept the fact that it's much easier to walk on my feet as opposed to walking on my hands. I become right about that very same thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I feel like, unless that person is willing at least to come to there, I'm completely open to the idea of my being wrong. If, if you can change my mind and my perspective can be shifted, I'm open to it. But let's engage transparently. But if, if you're really standing only on your end and looking on your side of the wall and unwilling to shift your gaze to say to look behind you and say like, there's something else here, then where are we going with this discussion? You know. Mm.
3: I would have a point to ask you, Kip, about with Nanisa saying that the investment to come to that reconciliation, the investment of the energy to cause that transparent engagement, if your point is with this Taoist uh, point that you leave nothing undone and mm-hmm. that requires the investment of the engagement, mm-hmm. then does that engagement have to cause you to be either moneyed or happy? Or is there a point at which that can be fueled by something like altruism? So
2: can you am I'm I'm not getting the question. So for example, if you uh, only
3: act yeah. in ways that cause you to be happy or yeah. bring you money, yeah. then does every transparent engagement you have to bring about a reconciliation have to bring you money or happiness? Yes,
2: it does. It does. I I, I am I, I, I talk very often about Ian Rand. I absolutely love her. Um, and I think Um, her ideas of capitalism I use as far as like how I view time as a capital um, where I will only invest time in something that brings me happiness or money Um, and this idea of the virtual selfishness I fully agree with yes that I'm very much self-centered in that way
3: but like in reference to that point so for example if you had a reconciliation where you you engaged with the transparent communication that's required Mm -hmm. to have a reconciliation but you didn't get a um, a positive outcome for you it didn't bring you happiness Mm -hmm. the cause of your so the fueling of that engagement would have been a false belief in happiness at the end
2: or so let's say I engaged in Okay, so like, let's say, for example, we're very close friends, um, and then we engage in a conversation. Actually, this is I'm actually happy you brought this up because this happened recently. Um, we engage in a conversation, right? And I feel like I'm speaking as transparently as possible with the idea of my being wrong. And I feel, and I might be completely wrong here, that you're really only seeing things from your perspective. You become very angry, you're swearing, you're mad and stuff like that, and then I don't feel like my investing these two or three hours into that discussion neither brought happiness nor money, right? Then the investment ends there. And whether our friendship continues or not, I mean, that's, that's not for me to predict. What I can say is that I found that for me, that's brought me the most amount of peace. And I also tell people in my circle, focus on those two things. If, if you don't feel like I am a positive attribute in your life, just cut me out of it. Because why put yourself through it? Do you understand Mm -hmm. what I mean? So like, it's completely fine we can disagree on something. It's completely fine that we can agree to disagree because you're not me and I'm not you. That's fine, I've come to terms with that. Does that mean that I'm gonna stay in relationship with you if every single day I feel like you're being demeaning, disrespectful, and you're assaulting me? No, that's not bringing me happiness nor money. I make no investment. And you can go your way and I'll go my way without any hard feelings, at least on my end. People would decide to hate me you know, outside of that or because of that I'm comfortable with that because if I'm okay with me that's something I really had to learn it's like as long as I'm okay with me and I I'm, I have peace within myself I'm, I can be very setting whatever conclusion kind of I come to
3: so just to clarify that point yeah, please When reconciling with someone, you will only reconcile when you are content that you believe that there is an opportunity for net money or happiness to result. Okay, I think that it's a really important point uh, in this discussion to bring up the um, reasons for reconciling. Why we reconcile. Because that was the thing that I was like pushing from you is to try and understand why you would spend the energy in answer to Niso's sort of uh, topic was um, why we engage Mm. in the the things that bring about reconciliation because they can be very energy consuming like you were saying so that's why I was kind of pushing Mm. for that that's really interesting that you have a very clear view of what fuels your actions there has to be either money or happiness at the end of it and I think that's
2: Happiness more than money, though. Well, um, either yeah, way, sure. the, the fact
3: mm-hmm. that you know that about yourself is a really beautiful thing.
2: Yeah. Um, L- let's weird. say it's like two two
1: villages, two warring vill- villages, yeah, uh-huh. and they, you know, there's been a conflict, and you know, you and this one guy in the other village, you have yeah. some beef, and then you know, it, for the betterment of the village, so the two villages get along, so there's not a, like an all-village war. It's mm. you guys just so need to bury the hatchet and just you know forgive each other just for the betterment of the yeah. whole village. Is that is that would would you do that? Yeah, for sure. But okay. but I'm. So Uh,
2: Wait, if I can finish. How far do you expand
1: your village to? Mm -hmm.
2: As far as it impacts and influences me, right? So, like, let's say this, right? Uh, Nanisa runs uh, Berlin Spoken Word. Which is very, very good, by the way, for those. But, so, let's say you run Berlin Spoken Word, and let's say I decide to run a competitive Berlin Talking Word. Okay. Let's say we are warring. You and I neither need... You and I are, are... uh, we have tensions, but it's our people who are fighting and dying and, and you know, putting their lives on the line for Berlin spoken word yeah. and Berlin talking word. Those people impact me. They, those are people that are in relationship with me. Huh. I'm not happy seeing them die. Maybe it might be for the sake of seeing those people continue living. Um, Nanisa, you were here first. You had Berlin spoken word. I'm going to get rid of Berlin talking word because I just lost three people. That's fine. I can take that loss. I would always, these days, I take a loss if it impacts my level of happiness. I just do. If somebody just feels like they need to swear or get mad or having a bad day and decide to take it out of me, that's okay. You can have that. Like I, I will not risk my happiness anymore. I just don't do it. Um, because I don't get anything from it. Unless if the investment is truly worth it, that person is in my circle, then I'll do it. If it's just somebody at work, they're having a bad day, and they're like, all right, kids, fuck off. I'm like, all right, I will. I will fuck off. What is the family.
1: equation of your investment?
2: How much am I getting out of it?
3: Well, that's something that I would just like... And that's like, very subjective too, I should
1: say. Yeah, yeah. Is
3: there a time limit to that? So for example, if your happiness right now is tacked to something unhealthy, like you just want to eat a bag of chips and sit at home and watch Netflix, mm-hmm. the net happiness you'll get out of it is one thing, yeah. but if you do that over and over time your health gets damaged in the future your happiness overall could questionably be uh in a sort of sine cosine graph and mm-hmm. um, could be further damaged. is there an immediacy to it does it have to be now i get money and happiness or is there a time span to that can that be over time that you'll be working towards something over time so for example if you were to be reconciling with uh, you were in one village and there was mm-hmm. you, your village was warring with someone else. Would you do a reconciliatory act mm-hmm. that would benefit and impact the people around you, for example, people a generation down from you, yeah. that you wouldn't actually see the effects of? So they would benefit after you'd passed away, for example.
2: No, I wouldn't do it. I personally wouldn't do it because it doesn't make sense to me. So I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I would do it. But I, there are things that I invest in because of the long-term uh, long term returns of it. Like, for example, like I told you about my sister and I, we have very different ways of, of dealing with conflict. Her way used to be very, very bothersome for me. And, and at times, like, sometimes it still gets to me. But then I'm like, oh, this is just her having her moment and that's fine because I know when I have my moment it's not easy for her to be sit there in four hours of silence that's not easy for anybody I get that we make that investment in one another because we know what it means number one because of the past trauma that both of us have experienced and also what it means long term for um, how we're going to have a long term relationship and also what it means for our nieces and our nephews as well how are they because we have people watching us now how are they impacted by how they see us deal with conflict and not only do we have nephews and nieces but we also have mentees as well mm. so like whenever there's a conflict my sister and I she, she has a mentee and I have one as well we're very very good with dealing with it as compassionately as, as kind as possible to try to set a new form of generational uh, resolution okay. or generational healing is another term, yeah. and
3: then I have one more question for Please. you
2: yeah. do you recycle? I do No. Yeah.
3: can you tell me why?
2: but I think that I'm going to be alive to see the positive benefits of it and can I also just say one thing as well because I've had that question before and I think it's a very good way, good one. My recycling and my doing the best I can from here in my circle in the, in the environment now is going to mitigate situations from getting worse. Let's say this is the circle, right? And we are, let's say we're all roommates, right? Let's say you start screaming at me or getting mad at me for one reason or the other. And let's say I'm undeserving of it, and you're very deserving of whatever I decide to say back to you, right? For the sake of the long-term situation that we want to have as roommates, I'm not going to say anything at that moment because you're probably just having a really bad day, and I could deal with it later, right, Just, just behind closed doors, and we can talk it through. I view recycling kind of the same way because I could decide to be a selfish, Asshole and then just mess things up and I could decide to say whatever I want to you and go back and forth with you and be angry with you And really give you what you deserve mm-hmm. But then if that means that for the next three weeks everybody has to deal with our awkward silence and our intention I don't know that doesn't make me happy. I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it, mm-hmm. you know So maybe it's better if I just decide to do the little I can do now Which is just stay silent and say Seraphine is just having a really bad day today
3: I would in mm-hmm. that case the only reason I'm asking is yeah, to try please. and find the definite edges of where your motives come from. Yeah. So for example, from what I've heard so far, I would say that your motivation of happiness and of money um, is that which can impact your, yourself or your community within your lifespan. Yeah. So, for example, recycling would fit within that because you see an impact within your lifespan exactly. to you and yourself, your your yeah. community. So that's the only reason why I'm trying to like define those lines is so that I understand your context. This yeah. is your context. It's if it impacts you with money or happiness or the community that you have within your lifespan, then that's something that would motivate you. Mm. And I think... Coming to a place where you understand those motivations within yourself and then being able to articulate them to others Mm. is exactly what we need in order to reconcile things with others and to actually start communicating in a way that would be through this kind of transformative
2: communication. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I also know that there are a lot of people that can't be in my circle because they might ask things of me that I'm not willing to do. Um, And one one of the things that I, one of the promises I made to myself once I decided to go on this path is that I won't love anybody more than I love myself. Um, I could have loved somebody just as much as I love myself. Thank you. I will not love anybody more. <laughs> just like Naniso, for there example, I love go. Naniso just as much just as, as much. I love myself. You can have my kidney if you want. But I think that drawing that line was very important because of the experiences I had. Now there are people who are asking me to do things that I know that I can't do. And once I verbalize that, it, I know that it might mean the end of our relationship, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I'm open to that idea because I know that I, for me to budge in that way would be inauthentic. Like I have a friend. And that person is big on emotional manipulation, which, I mean, I get because of, you know, the person's past. And I'm not somebody who chases and I'm not somebody who possesses. So I'm not going to chase our friendship and I'm not going to try to possess you. I don't need to keep people. If you're there, then you're there and we're going to, we're voluntarily and willingly in, in relationship with one another. And certain things I won't do because I feel like I'm not loving myself if I do it. And that's caused the end of that. Hmm. Unfortunately. Okay. But go ahead,
0: sir. Let's uh, let's switch gears without yeah. without veering off the the highway. Um, ooh, ooh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, abusive people, compulsive liars. Mm. Uh, sudden death occurs during a grudge. We've we've all spoke about the the uh, benefits of reconciliation, how it can bring peace, especially UKIPs and yeah. uh, we've all hinted at it in other words. What can't be reconciled and what uh, are healthy alternatives
3: well that's a difficult one isn't it I mean immediately my mind went to religious issues Mm. where the upholding of tradition is at the, the foundation of a conflict so you have two religions that have differing beliefs and in order to reconcile they would have to in some way let go of their own traditions I think that's one example and um, this, I think, uh, I know this is going to be a seriously hot topic. Um, but the word tolerance may have to come in there. Um, so, for example, the Israel-Palestine conflict is something that comes to mind. And living in toleration of difference, um, maybe the only way of reconciling, even if it doesn't actually bring any, um, gra- like a- any gratitude or any kind of movement forward no positivity from that that may be the only way to have a sustained um reconciliation of something Mm. even if it doesn't make a net benefit
2: i think that's really interesting there is um i heard this beautiful story um there is this young kid who ended up killing another young kid the story ends up being beautiful it doesn't start so beautiful as the kid is in court and he ends up getting quite a long Um, uh, sentence I think like 10 or 15 years or something like that the mom goes to the court as well the mom of the slain victim goes to the court as well and stands up as a kid is getting sentenced says I'm going to kill you right that's what the mother says and then the story ends up being so beautiful what ends up happening is that the mother actually ends up going to see this this kid let's call him Bob right goes to see Bob like once a week every single day brings some food takes care of him, and actually when they when it's time for that kid to comes out that mom actually adopts him right and then they end up sitting down um after the kid is in this new home uh, and they're sitting down they're having this conversation the mom says remember that time when i said i was going to kill you and the kid gets a bit nervous he's like uh yeah i i do remember that that's still in my mind she's like you know actually I did do that. I killed who you used to be and look at who you are now and this now this kid has a job he's a very kind person compassionate person and this mother adopted the child that had the taken her child person, yeah. and so when I heard that story I was like if that is possible is it possible for me to extend my level of forgiveness. There's a really good poem um, by this guy named Thich Nhat Khan called Call Me By All My Names. And in the poem he says, um, he, there's these two powerful lines where he says, um, I am the young girl who had been raped and, and throws herself um, off of the boat to drown herself after having suffered so. And then I'm also the pirate who rapes her because I don't understand love and compassion. So I always, I'm always trying to practice this idea of like, what is happening in the perpetrator's mind that causes them to do such a thing? Mm. Not to excuse their behavior. I really, really want to stress that. That the behavior is excusable. But I'm like, oh, you're really hurting and suffering on the inside. And I'm practicing that to a certain degree because I know it's very good for my well-being as well. I think you can reconcile anything to answer your <laughs> question. Okay. Wow. An uh,
1: in, in amazing moment I would like to share with uh, all of you uh, and listeners as well. I actually agree with Kibbs. I'm um, gonna tweet about this. So I think that everything can be reconciled. Uh, mm. From maybe the example you you gave for mother losing her child, yeah. uh, the, the hardest things in this, the say could ever happen to to anybody. I think these these things can be reconciled. <laughs> the question is, the, uh, the if the will, the desire is there, uh, yeah. the motivation mm-hmm. is there. I mean. I think the human brain, the human heart is is, is unbelievable in its capacity uh, for both good and also evil. Um, we can go to the moon, we can do all these things. We can reconcile our differences somehow. Yeah. Um, and I truly do believe that. I'm not trying to say that everybody should or has to or has an obligation to. I just think it is possible. Um, so, yeah.
3: I would say that having the ability not to judge others' motivations for reconciling. So Mm. I may understand that where I would personally benefit from reconciling with Naniso, for example, Mm. might not work for you. Mm. Naniso's already expressed that that energy of reconciliation may be too much. Mm. And I think that coming to a place where we don't judge people for their different levels of willingness to reconcile is really important because We have to understand our own context. So where I may perpetually be the devil's advocate chasing after that reconciliation, Mm. particularly when it comes to completely trivial things such as the dictionary definition of something, that might not be within your comfort zone. And I have to take that into account when I'm thinking about reconciliation for myself. And that is particularly the case for me when reconciling things, for example, in Scrabble. With who should get how many points and when it comes to reconciliation we also have to take into account other people's motivations and mm. where they stand on how willing they are to go through that process and respect them for that
2: true
3: to respect our differences but that in in that sense of reconciliation being the at definition the, having of differences between two or more parties and then overcoming that difference Mm. you literally start the reconciliation with a reconciliation Mm. um which might actually be a fallacy in and of itself but i think that that no reconciliation can truly healthily fully get to an end if we don't understand the context of the person we're trying to reconcile with and understanding hey how much energy are you willing to put into this are you is this uncomfortable for you I currently am going through the process of understanding that some people have different energy levels for different things and um, that where I might put in tons and tons and tons of energy I in doing so, have to understand that I shouldn't have the expectation that that energy will come back. Mm. And I've now learned of myself that actually I enjoy doing things that others may see as completely altruistic. I personally enjoy that. So therefore, it is worth it for me to do things mm. like going into that reconciliation even if that does mean a shouting match over how to spell something in Scrabble. It's worth it for me. But for many, 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 many other people, including most members of my family, that is not the case.
0: Yeah, so when discussing compromise and resolution, understanding, we, we often think think in terms of external conflict, yeah. but what about internal? Mm-hmm. Uh, have we not been victims of our own judgment and Self-sabotage, negative influence. So what? Uh, let's talk a little bit about reconciliation on an individual level. What does that look like? And what benefits might a practice of personal mending have on broader society?
2: Um, one of the lessons that I've learned on this path um, is, number one, I'm responsible for my own emotions. And I always take responsibility for my own emotions. And number two, a friend of mine, said actually give me this quote that um, impact does not mean intention. So like like let's say for example that we're sitting here and Aniso tells me my breath stinks, right? He's probably <laughs> intending something really good out of it, right? But it might impact me in a way where I'm like, oh my god, I'm so, and then I become extremely self-conscious, self-aware, and I feel extremely insecure. But his intention is actually like, kids, you can't walk around with bad breath. So I think once I learned that, especially for people in my close circle, and actually I was telling you, I was talking to you about this as well. Steve and I had a really good conversation about my being at home before he had started this and like i know that my parents are very well intended with the ideas dreams and, and 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 whatever worldview they have that they think i should also incorporate within myself it's all very well intended before i felt like a lot of pressure um and i had really kind of misconstrued their intention but now when i look at it, i'm like it makes a lot of sense and i if i can appreciate someone's intention then i can be very lenient when they're in my circle, um, because I know that it doesn't make sense. You are saying this before about putting your expectations on other people. It doesn't make sense for me to expect my mom or my dad to say things the way I say. I'm Kibbs, and they're my mom and my dad. Right. Um, and I, once I respect and I accept them as mom and my, my mom and my dad, then I can appreciate their intention and be like, you know, I s- thank you, and no. And I'm going to do something else. That brings a lot of peace to me.
1: Once again, I find myself very pessimistic, um, but you know, reconciliation of oneself for me is just—I reconcile that I can't change anything or or, or or affect something, so I kind of step away. That's me reconciling. Mm. Um, I, that's not really negative. That's just more as I get older, understanding the, the the limits of my power and of what I can do, and mm-hmm. I think sure. I find that I find that. Uh, very peaceful, you know. I'm like, oh, sure. I, I, you were saying something about a racist, you know, and like, yeah, yeah. All right, okay, well, you know, it's <laughs> <so>, all right. <laughs> you no, know, life, I, my life goes on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do see a danger in that, and I think we talked about this a couple of months ago about how we're, you know, we're less energetic in our pursuits of of morality or of, of arguing or engagement or activism because mm. of that. And I feel like that's a danger of once you become very like, complacent, you're like, oh, I can't do anything, so you don't do anything. And I think that that can be dangerous because, ironically, it's people like us who are able to mold and be molded by other, by other people's opinions who should engage with other people. Um, what, what we need to say is I don't have Like Certain things that I I can't even think about Three things that I Firmly Believe And I cannot Ever be changed yeah. And I, I And I think that's a good thing Because then I can engage With other people And I am moulded By discussions And I think those are the people Who should engage With other people um, I, Somebody who's a Trump supporter Who never moved from that it's, They're not really Going to engage They're not going to learn I'm not going to be able to talk And to they can't talk to me You know you know, it's, it always goes one way, so...
0: We've, we've got a couple of minutes left on this one question, and then I want to move on okay. to our... Uh... No, you go,
2: sorry. On re-
3: the resolution, the reconciliation of your own complex, for me, it's I always start with that thing of understanding your own context. No. So if you have done the work to understand yourself and your comfort zone and the all the prejudices and all the fears and everything that comes with you, and you find that you come to a place that is a solution, is an understanding of yourself, and this is how I'm going to act in this situation, this is how I'm going to answer this conflict, and that feels right to you, it really doesn't matter whether it is right over time. If that's what you really think is the right solution right then, then I run with that. But then I am blessed with obnoxious levels of confidence. Mm. So I think for many people, the major conflict that I've had um, is when I feel completely confident and I feel I feel completely comfortable with being wrong, many other people find that terrifying. And for me is where the hardest conflict comes in. is when people are just not willing to do that work. They don't feel confident enough to make a statement about themselves or to make a statement in regards to a conflict. For example, in my own relationship, I have a relationship manifesto. I'm very strict in that way, but I know that plenty of other people are not in, they don't know that about themselves they felt very uncomfortable about questioning themselves in that mm. way so for me personal conflict resolution something I'm chuffed to do with myself mm. um, but I really have a journey to go on when it comes to giving more space to people who are unwilling to do that for themselves
1: mm. wow well, okay next uh, podcast Raceship Manifesto amazing yeah. <laughs> that was
0: amazing okay It is time... (laughs) It is time, my Inquisitive Spirits, for another round of Agree or Disagree. So, Agree or Disagree. The way this works is that I will present quotes spanning recorded history related to Reconciliation. And after each quote, you must all respond with either Agree or Disagree. Okay pretty simple
3: but you're not going to tell us who it is although
0: you can't initially justify yourself uh, there will be a brief period to do so after i reveal who the quoted individual is oh i like this Hand okay. is on the buzzer all right cool so here we go propensities and principles must be reconciled by some means
1: by some by
0: some means propensities and principles must be reconciled by some means
3: i agree I disagree. Propensities and principles must be reconciled.
0: By some means, in some way.
3: I'd find this so much easier if the word must was replaced with should. Oh, but Um, should I always must? I don't have any context for what must means in this situation, whether it's an ethical must, Mm -hmm. a moral or some other.
0: Yeah, and this is a contextual
3: (sighs) point. That's the problem with quotes? You don't get the context.
0: Disagree. Two disagrees and an agree. Yep, Mm. there you go. And this is from uh, Charlotte Bronte's novel, Jane Eyre. So again, we don't have the context for this one.
1: I always have trouble with with, with anything that has the term must in it. But, But I feel like I'm... Should, could, woulda, yeah, but
2: must. But that is the process of constantly involving as I would as I call but it. Like, must yeah but like if I'm going to constantly this idea of constantly questioning yourself it means like I'm reevaluating my principles does it mean I have to change them no but reconciling them to a point of like how does it fit in this environment but
1: if you don't then what happens
3: that's why I had difficulty yeah,
2: answering it well, because must it doesn't you die you, to you can't, a, you're no yeah. longer healthy what does it I mean I think it becomes quite self-destructive The very least. Sometimes you could face other forms of destruction as well if you're not able to, yeah, reevaluate what what you believe in as your environment changes, as your circle changes. In in that, the
3: reason why I had to go at that as a complete logician. Mm. The word "must" doesn't imply a a should or anything. So, if you have someone who never reconciles anything. That's true. Well, what does must mean? Must mm. in comparison to if they die, so what? If they if they never have any friends, so what? The must doesn't tack to any should or anything yeah. or yes. or anything that would yeah. kind of drive it. So that's why right. I disagreed. All right, next one.
1: We're on fire. I'm
0: I'm on fire. All right. Hmm? In the end, reconciliation is a spiritual process Ooh. which requires more than just a legal framework. It has to happen in the hearts and minds of people. Oh, I
2: disagree. Think I know who said this. This
0: is um, I agree. I agree 100. percent Two disagrees and
3: agree. While I think that if the word should had been in there, I would agree. To not to not have any moral tacking to that statement mm. means that I don't agree with it because you can have a reconciliation that functions. For example, if we look at economic reconciliation of some sort,
1: mm. that
3: can pass with no spiritual reconciliation at all um, should there be a spiritual a, a complete whole um, mm. reconciliation yeah definitely even in a com- even in something that is you know just a reconciliation of a conflict in a company and the corporation makes new movements yeah. and I do believe that it should be completely taken into the souls of everyone involved that quote didn't have a in it
2: Mm. One of the things I've been learning how to do, um, I don't use the word should anymore because I used to, I would, before I took this path, I was just like, there's a lot happening at home, and I always was managing a lot, and almost like manipulating people as well and I've learned how to stop saying the word should because one of the quotes I always say is like should is an argument against reality so uh, let me just wrap this up really quickly so what I'm simply saying is like I don't I I personally don't use the word should it can involve something and um, whether if it must or not I mean I I get the idea of Mm -hmm. focusing on a word that's true I personally don't use should I would say that for me it is that so that's why I agree with it but I don't need I don't think it should or shouldn't be something, that's that's what it is.
3: I would just say, on that point, yep. if, uh, so morality and ethics and should in regards to conditionals, mm. um, I personally use the word should mm. because I always have a willingness to provide my grounding for that should. Mm. So I do not believe that there are universal uh, social norms or uh, things that are morals. I believe that you personally um, can discover those or invent those for yourself Mm. so if i'm willing to provide my should the grounding of that word so my personal morality my personal conditionals what i my belief system then i can use the word should freely um Mm. and we can reconcile over the differences (laughs) in in our belief systems but to me that's that's why in those quotes when they say must that implies a universal should, that this must happen because there is an absolute truth to this moral decision. I don't believe in absolute moral truths. I think that it whatever works for you works for you. And that we can re- reconcile over that, yeah. and that's where most of the issues in the world come from because we don't reconcile over our absolute notions of moral truths. We'll stop
2: here because we can go on
0: forever, but we'll, we'll have dinner or something. Yeah, and your, your guess as to the quoted individual was correct, Kibbs, That was Nelson Mandela. Yeah, yeah I, that guy. Cool. I really love that him.
1: guy. I'm <laughs> so All curious
0: right. now. Moving on. Reconciliation is more beautiful than victory. Yes.
3: Agreed. Agree.
2: Yeah. Reconciliation is a victory in and of itself.
1: Yeah. You? Oh, the victory of peace. Uh, strongly disagree. So reconciliation is more beautiful than victory. Yeah. Um, in in my experience of reconciliation or the specific form of reconciliation that I'm talking about, political reconciliation, uh, it has actually the experience has been quite the opposite. It has been violent. It has been brutal. Mm-hmm. And it has been painful, wicked, uh, unbalanced and so I, I do not see it as beautiful at all. Okay. Hmm.
0: And that was from uh, Violeta Chamorro and she is the former Nicaraguan president.
1: <laughs> I knew it. <laughs>
2: what? what are you talking about? <laughs> <Thank you. laughs>
0: Alright, two more. Resistance and nonviolence are not in themselves good. There is another element that must be present in our struggle that then makes our resistance and nonviolence truly meaningful. That element is reconciliation. Our ultimate end must be the creation of the beloved community.
2: I think that's wrong I would King. again. Um, but I agree with that. Well, I'm agreeing with everything today. <laughs> I agree with that.
1: And uh, so it's got nonviolence in it. So I think, you know, you're either looking at Gandhi MLK, uh, or you're looking at a post, uh, post Nation of Islam uh, Malcolm X. Mm,
3: I would agree with that statement. I'm trying to think in the broader sense of the term. So, if we're expanding to reconciliation beyond just human means, so if we're trying to reconcile reconcile over an ecological problem or something like that, I think that is true um, because um, the passiveness um, the non-violence doesn't always solve a situation. Um, so even though I'm very much a pacifist, in that I wouldn't consider violence to be the solution in many cases, and someone who is very, very outspokenly anti-war, um, I would agree with that statement.
0: Okay. And that was Martin Luther King Jr. <gasps> I'm just
3: getting them I'm just hitting him.
0: Finally, we have those who love Friends and lovers know that love is not only a blinding flash, but also a long and painful struggle in the darkness for the realization of definitive recognition and reconciliation.
3: That's
2: Shakespeare.
3: Um, yeah. But I, I agree. <laughs> Baby, my love ain't darkness. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't disagree with that.
1: <laughs> it's very poetic. I mean, it doesn't really, doesn't really mean anything. I, yeah, I mean, it sounds nice. You know, yeah, that was
0: French author and existentialist Albert Camus.
1: I mean, he is kind of absurdist, you know. Well, that's what he was, <laughs> what he was all a about.
3: very, very French opinion. Yeah.
0: So, you know, we are at the end. We've arrived at the end of our reconciliation episode. Whoa. So, And thanks to all of you who participated today thank you for the question uh, thank you listeners for being with us please join our discussions on SoundCloud word. where you can comment on the posted tracks <laughs> Um co- community is at the heart of our project so you can find us at soundcloud.com slash are you concerned thanks to Keith Barr for providing the cozy space word I'm Sarah a drink. Yeah. and the uh, the equipment we look forward to
1: Love Thank you to all of you On February 9th Love
0: Whoa. What's
1: love Got to do oh, Got to do,
3: do, do What's love